Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ballhawks podcast. And we have a potentially very good one in store because last time we did a podcast where I was sick, just about everything possible went wrong. Uh, and I say everything possible, I mean everything because I can barely talk. Jesse spilled a water bottle everywhere, if you remember that much. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was just, it was not a good time. And I'm sick again. For some reason, I can't stop getting sick when I'm in Arizona. I don't get sick anywhere else, but now that I'm in Arizona, I just have these like random little three day colds. Gosh darn are, it. They know, they're the worst. Shucks. They're the worst. <laughs> so, we're going to see what happens tonight. We're recording this at like, what, 10 p.m. on Saturday, October 21st. So, we are, you know, we're going to do this, go to bed, watch football in the morning. Well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what else happens tonight. But, this this is gonna be interesting to see uh, how how I last year. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this episode. <clears throat> you know, it's it's good to have Drew back on. Yo, uh, <laughs> he, he was he's away. not sick by the way. He was away last week, uh, and so it was just me and Jack. So yeah, we got everyone's back now. Uh, we're gonna be going over the week six, and let's get into it. So. Going back to last Thursday, October 12th, we had the Broncos and Chiefs. Now, I don't know if you guys can remember this game, but... I don't. I can't remember it whatsoever. I fell, I, I fell asleep during this game. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I did. So, I, I watched the entire game. I'm not going to lie, because I was working, and it was playing in inside the gym. And, uh, yeah, the, the Broncos' defense, for all the heat that they've been getting, you know, in this season so far... They held up quite nicely against uh, the, the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they were able to get, you know, multiple stops in the game and get Mahomes off the field, you know, just force field goals and make it very manageable on uh, the offensive side of the ball. But where they really struggled was their offense, <clears throat> led by Russell Wilson. <coughs> he struggled, uh, you know, turning the ball over twice, had a couple interceptions, and they really just couldn't get anything going the entire game. Uh, so it was, you know, it. if you're a Broncos fan and you're watching that, you're like, we're in the game, but we're not. You know, it seems like we get, we're getting stops time after time after time, but our offense can't do anything with it. And that was the main takeaway that, uh, that I took from it is that it was a much closer game than people would have thought because that Broncos defense did come out and play. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and act like I did watch the game because I didn't. I, I had a plan set up. All right, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna have this game on one screen, and I have ALCS or it was I think it was ALDS baseball, whatever. At this time, it was might have been game one. I don't know. Either way, playoff baseball on the other screen. Next thing I know, I'm asleep. I wake up. It's the seventh inning of the baseball game, and it's the fourth quarter, and the Broncos are down 16. But <laughs> I look. I've been saying this now every week, just in regards to the Chiefs, that their defense is good this year, and it's that's scary. Yeah, you know, you look at Steve Spagnuolo and just. The success that he's had in the last five years, they, it always seems like he's got those guys playing hard, similar to Bill Belichick. You know, with <coughs> Chris Jones, uh, you know, you got um, – sorry, I'm blanking on the linebacker. Nick uh, Bolden. Yes, Nick Bolden, arguably, you know, was could have been Super Bowl MVP last year. Uh, he played really well and has continued to play really well. So when you got playmakers like that and the scheme that Spagnola draws up, uh, this defense this defense is good. You know, you still got Legarius Sneed on the outside. Very, very good playmakers. My main takeaway from this game is the Chiefs need to feed Rasheed Rice more. For my fantasy team, please. I like in all seriousness, like 
you know, Kelsey's kind of having, you know, a little health, you know, issue right now. And every time I watch Rasheed Rice play, and when the Chiefs do get the ball in his hands, he just finds a way to get yards after the catch. And I just feel like as the weeks go on, you know, his targets will start to go up and he'll be a big factor. But for now, the Chiefs can rely on their defense because their defense is not allowing a lot of points. They're limiting their opponents. Um, and the Chiefs are kind of figuring out what their identity is. Like some games, Isaiah Pacheco is having a major role. In some games, their running game isn't much of a factor, and it's just Mahomes hitting different targets, which is good. He could do that. But I'm just kind of waiting for that player outside of Kelsey to kind of emerge. Obviously, Jesse, they went out and uh, traded for Nicole Harmon to come back again. So maybe he provides a little bit of a spark, but he just kind of feels like an extra guy in a bunch of room of extra guys. Yeah. That's a great, a great I, way to put it. I, I think that the Chiefs have, are kind of very versatile in the fact that they don't really have one lead back. You know, they got McKinnon, Edwards, Zelaire. Like, they, they got a, you know, it's a crowded backfield. There's not one guy that's going to get most of the carries. It's, it's spread out evenly, so that can make them difficult to play against because they're not relying on one guy. They they get, you know, production from from multiple. So, yeah, uh, moving on to the Ravens and Titans. Uh, the Ravens secured a big win. You know, I'm going to talk about some of the games uh, moving <coughs> forward, but this was a big win for them. In a week where the Steelers were on the bye week, you had uh, Cincinnati beat my Seahawks and um, the Browns beat Jack's 49ers. This was a big big win for the, for the Ravens this week, you know. It kind of seemed uh, like a trap game, maybe, playing the Titans in Tennessee. This game but, was not in Tennessee. This game was out in Oh, Europe. sorry, sorry. Out in Europe. My, oh, my God. This is, this is two weeks in a row, Jesse. You've forgotten about the European games, which I don't blame you on. Okay, okay. okay. Besides that, besides that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I messed up. But anyways, what I was going to say is that the, the Ravens, you know, they did what they needed to do. They, they locked down. Uh, they took care of business. And that's really all that needs to be said. Uh, the Titans are kind of spinning their wheels right now as the season is progressing. It doesn't seem like the addition of uh, DeAndre Hopkins is doing much. And really, they just can't get anything going. And you look at the roster, and nothing really jumps out at you with this Titans With this Titans team. They have you know a couple playmakers on both sides of the ball, but as far as team chemistry goes and just you know, development and draft picks looking into the future. There's not a whole lot of upside in ceiling that this team has, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill era in Tennessee is finally faded away. I think, you know, he's a player that is limited as a quarterback. He's always been that way. And now he's getting older, and he has absolute chronic ankle issues. This is something that every year when Ryan Tannehill plays football, it pops up on the injury report, and he misses a few games. And, you know, in Tennessee, I think it's time to have a bit of a retooling, maybe not a full rebuild. Like I they, think it's full rebuild. You think so? I yeah. mean, they have the pieces to do it, to accumulate the draft picks. I just think they kind of missed their window. Their window was like two, three years ago. The players are getting older, um, and you're in a situation now where you have a new GM anyway. I like Vrabel as a coach. I think we all like him as a coach. We think he's the right guy uh, for the franchise. And I like Grant Carthon, but I think you have to kind of tear it down and let him bring in his players now. 
I just <clears throat> I don't understand how they how they kind of handled the Malik Willis situation. Uh, he had pretty high draft stock uh, coming into the draft, and when they selected him, I honestly thought that he was one of the best quarterbacks on the board at the time, and I thought that he could be a difference maker for this franchise. But well, that just I think the process behind that is just the simple fact that Rand Carthon isn't the guy that picked Malik Willis. The guy that picked Malik Willis isn't there anymore. Uh, and a lot of the time, especially that's t- you know with the quarterbacks, if it's a new GM, there's a lot of the time not gonna have the same evaluation of a guy like Malik Willis, who was a third round quarterback at the end of the day. Different evaluations from different GMs, and that kind of screwed over Malik Willis, honestly. Yeah, and you know it's it's tough to see for the Titans because it it almost feels like he's not really developed. Uh, in his time there, and he hasn't seen the field much, which is which is actually it's hurt his game because there's players like rookies like C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, obviously at a different level, but they're they're getting you know they're starters now, and he's still trying to establish himself uh, with behind Ryan Tannehill. So I just don't think they handled it right, and you know yeah you might you talked about the general manager, and that's fair, but. I think that he should still get, you know, another shot somewhere because he does have talent for sure. There's no yeah, doubt about it. I think the good thing about it for him is he's gonna have a shot. I don't know what the word on Tannehill's injury is. He good to go or? I don't follow the Titans. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I mean, last time I checked, it was kind of iffy, questionable. So here's the thing: if I'm the Titans, I use this opportunity to say, okay, hey, Ryan Tannehill, we're done. Right, Carthon, trade Tannehill to the Jets. Do something, right? <laughs> No. And then here, okay, Malik Willis or Will Levis. <laughs> yeah. Somebody step in, show me what you got. And in a sneaky way, if you're Rand Carthon, this allows you to basically concede the season and lose football games without actually admitting it. You know, when you go to Will Levis or you go to Malik Willis, you're going to lose football games. Those quarterbacks are not in a position to win football games. Now, here's the great thing about that if one of these quarterbacks proves you wrong and they win and they look good, then you look smart. So, you also know you have your guy. Exactly. So this is a opportunity for the Titans and Malik Willis and these young quarterbacks to get evaluated and see where they fit in their future plans for the front office. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers and Miami Dolphins. Uh, this game was not was not very surprising, guys. I, I don't think anyone... It was really... surprising for a little bit because Carolina went up 14 nothing. First. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair, fair that enough. Was, that was surprising. Fair enough. And then the Dolphins went on a nice little 42-7 run. Yeah, and then it, then it kind of came back down to reality. Mm-hmm. And you look at this Panthers team, and yeah, they're 0-6. They haven't won a football game yet. I honestly really don't see that changing. I could see them, you know, reaching that 2017-2018 Cleveland Browns territory where they, they, got the Bears coming up where they don't win a game. Uh, I can very much see that. And there's a lot of question marks just surrounding that Panthers organization right now. You get the number one overall pick, and so far you knew there would obviously be some hurdles and some struggles early, but I don't think they expected to for it to be this this tough, you know, this tough sledding starting out. And, and then flipping sides to Miami, like at this rate, this is one of the best offenses the NFL has ever seen. And if Tua can stay healthy and Tyreek Hill can keep doing what he's doing, uh, the Miami Dolphins are are gonna go far. Yeah, I think. And and with the the addition, uh, not the addition, but 
with Jalen Ramsey coming back in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, yeah. uh, this this team is scary. It could be yeah. really scary. Um, if you're from a Dolphins standpoint, you know, you kind of may have slept walk through that first quarter or so, and you kind of was like, all right, let's go. Let, let's, let's not, you know, be the Dolphins of old and lose a game we have no business losing. They take care of business. And, and back to the Panthers, I just feel bad for them because, you know. They're screwed. They're really screwed. And, and at the beginning when Scott Fitter came in, his aggressiveness early on was like, okay, this is a GM that, you know, might know what he's doing. Well, he's basically handcuffed himself because they're in a position now where they're going to be the worst team in the league and they're not going to have their own pick. So you're in a situation now where you have to look at the state of your roster you have Jeremy Chin, you know, valuable hot commodity around the league as a player that other teams could look and say, hey, this is a player if he could, so our system could really grow. And then you got Brian Burns, who I think at his best could be one of the best edges in the game. So you have to make a decision, do we keep this talent or do we sell it off because we need draft picks? I just think they're in a situation also where the number two pick has looked like one of the best young court quarterbacks we've seen in a long time, and then Bryce Young has just – not. I don't even think it's necessarily Bryce Young's fault. It's the it's the uh, situation that he's in. But yeah, it's a little glimmer in Charlotte. Yeah, I, the thing that I really don't like is the rumors that are going around surrounding it. Yeah. Like, oh, Frank Reich actually wanted CJ Stroud. Like, first off, whether that's true or not, there's no way that can leak out at all. Um, it just kind of reeks of dysfunction. Yeah, and it it reeks like somebody, and I, I hope it's not Frank Wright, but that's what it's starting to feel like. There's somebody there that is really upset about how the decision making has gone on. I'm and, upset that Frank Wright got hired personally. Yeah, I don't even think he necessarily deserved that job. And then he felt like, okay, maybe he did like want C.J. Stroud and David Tepper, the owner, stepped in and said, "No, we want Bryce Young." If that's the case, then you come into a job where maybe you were promised to pick the quarterback you wanted and you didn't get him, and that's a problem. And also, any time in any situation where the owner is making a decision in football, and really in any sport, but especially in football, not, not good. There's a reason the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl or made an NFC championship in years and years and years. However, on the plus side for the Panthers, I'm going to show some optimism here. Uh, you're seeing the emergence of uh, Chuba Hubbard. You know, shout out the Canadian. Uh, he's really kind of established himself uh, in this last year. And I think they they need to continue relying on him because I, I really do think that he's he's really good. When he, when he gets the amount of carries, uh, he can definitely be a difference maker. And looking forward into next season, I think they're a weapon or two away from, like, not – from being okay, you know. Right now they're obviously low of the low, but they're going to be healthy – you know, next season they're gonna get J.C. Horn back, Shaq Thompson. Uh, those are really good players on your defense that you need healthy, and I'm excited to see what that defense can do healthy, like we saw last year. And if you get Bryce Young, maybe an old lineman in the draft. I don't know, a wide receiver, some weapons that they can maybe use. I can see this team taking it up, uh, taking it up another level. So I'm not that optimistic, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think it'll take time, but I do. I can see them like, I can see them stepping it up for sure. Uh, moving on to the Texans and Saints. CJ Stroud. This game was. Can we talk about CJ Stroud though? He has looked amazing. Uh, 
he's already broken, you know, some records so far in six weeks, just with passing yards. At this rate, you know, he's fourth or third in passing in the league right now. He continues this, like he's got a chance to, you know, just be even better. Like there's not much more that needs to be said. He's exceeded expectations. Uh, he looks very comfortable and just looks like he belongs in the NFL. Yeah, um, I think Jack said this on the last pod that we were on. We all knew that he was going to be a good player if he got in the right place. And I think Houston was the right place for him with a coach who actually knows how to run a uh, franchise and knows how to run a program effectively. And I, I think you see C.J. Stroud step in where he has Tank Dell and Nico Collins, two guys on the outside that are difference makers that can make plays something he was used to at Ohio State when you have Emeka Ibuka and you have Marvin Harrison, so junior. So he's kind of slid into the NFL now, and he's like, okay, I have good weapons, just how I had in college. And, you know, Laramie Tunsil is a good offensive lineman. You know, Titus Howard is a good offensive tackle sometimes. So there's sometimes people. Sometimes <laughs> it's It's not all the time Titus Howard is a good football player. Um, but everything seems to be working there, and – He's just doing all the little things right that you don't see from young quarterbacks out the gate, and it's really impressive. And I think that's why there's a lot of rumblings in Carolina is because his performance has been so. Oh yeah, that doesn't that doesn't leak out of CJ Stroud also playing badly. Exactly for the person, right. whether whether that leak is coming from Frank Reich or someone that Frank Reich told that right. that person wants Frank Reich to look good for yeah. saying that. There's a lot of people, or there's at least a contingency of people in that Panthers organization that's like, we told you. This guy was pretty good. We wanted him, so I think that's contributed. To they wouldn't be saying, "Oh, we wanted we wanted CJ Stroud over Bryce Young." Right, if he also too. wasn't good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I was looking at that was a bit interesting is this year so far compared to last year, you've really seen Damian Pierce's uh, carries go down a lot. Like, did you? I don't know if you guys like noticed that. I I I've been checking his his fantasy. You know. Pretty often, and I've I've seen that it's gone down. I a think lot. a lot of that has to do with the scheme change and the new offense. They can actually throw the ball this year. Yeah, them. they have a quarterback who can distribute the ball down. The and field. they have Devin Singletary. Exactly. Isn't better than Damian Pierce, but exactly. He's one of those so guys that's going to take carries. He's going to take carries, and there's the same amount of carries usually per game now as yeah, Pierce. which isn't necessary. Exactly. Right. So, and then you have Tank Dell and, and Nico Collins. So, and you have C.J. Stroud. So, Damian Pierce's production was naturally going to come down a little bit, especially because he was. A lot of times last year, the only guy on that offense that was actually had a pulse and could do something. So that's what yeah, I there, there you go. That, I mean, that makes sense. It just you look at a player like that; he's such a difference maker. And yeah, no, I agree it, with you. You really do wonder, uh, you know, if he if he was able to just get the same production if you if he could replicate what he was able to do last year before getting hurt. I think that's just the nature of the league now. Everybody knows, okay, running, running back by committee. Yeah. Everybody's going to have the same amount of touches so we can preserve one guy. No guy outshines the other to where they want <laughs> a nice contract. Is We're not paying running backs anymore. Nah. So that's just kind of the nature of the league. I mean, you kind of see it in the next game we're about to talk about, Jesse, uh, Jacksonville versus Indianapolis. You have a situation now where you have two really talented backs, Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, and specifically fantasy-wise, there's some people that have one or the other, and it's like, hey, like, what's going on? And it's just because that's a backfield where there's two solid players that are just going to both require touches, and that's just kind of the way the league is offensively. Yeah, we're going to jump to the Indianapolis Colts and Jaguars. 
You talk about Zach Moss, and he's kind of just jumped on the scene now. He's second in the league in rushing yards. Uh, no one saw that coming with Jonathan Taylor uh, also on the squad. Like It's really surprising how well he's been able to do in that offense. And it's a big, big blow uh, to see Anthony Richardson be done for the season with a shoulder injury. That That really does suck for, for Colts fans. And I know that we were looking forward to continuing to see what Anthony Richardson has been doing. And, you know, I, I was pretty high on the Colts coming into the season. And I was excited to see Anthony Richardson from his time at Florida and just the kind of versatile QB. He kind of reminded me of Cam Newton. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's definitely <coughs> tough to see him go down. Yeah. I do think that they're in serviceable hands with Gardner Minshew. He's... He's proven himself. Yeah, yeah, he's proven himself. Yeah. Uh, he's no throwaway by any means. So I definitely think that they'll still be able to compete. But as far as Richardson, that's definitely a setback for sure. Yeah, and, and it sucks. But I think I'm glad that this is a franchise that has valued the health and well-being of their franchise quarterback because this was not always the case. Look back Peyton Manning. Look Andrew back with Andrew Luck. So I'm glad Jim Ursay and... and company in Indianapolis are say, all right, we don't want to ruin this young man. We've seen enough. We know his potential. We know he can be great. Him and Shea Steichen clearly have a great connection. Let's do well right and right by him. Let's get him the surgery, let him heal, and be ready for next year because Anthony Richardson is the future. He is your franchise, so you have to protect that. Because what, what was he, 3-1, and 3-2? and two? Yeah, he's – I saw – In his first four or five? Well, it was it was interesting because like I know he came out of a couple of those yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that still counts as a win because he started it. Yeah. I think the the, the technical uh, speaking for it was actually that Gardner Minshew in his starts was three and zero. So I don't know. I, I mean, like Richardson was playing better, but they can win with Minshew in there for sure. Um, it's it's a weird situation entirely. Cause, but that team looks a lot better than I think at least two of the three of us in here thought they would. Um, that's a lot of credit to Shane Steichen. Yeah. I think that's what it is, too. I think, Jack, when we were, like, seeing their success earlier, I was like, Shane Steichen might be him. And then also I saw the Jalen Hurts-led offense kind of come out slow out the gate with Brian uh, Johnson running an offense there in Philly. And I was like, okay, maybe Shane Steichen is a little bit of a this quarterback whisperer that can get a lot out of these quarterbacks early. And I think that has proven to be right. Yeah, uh, moving on to the <laughs> Commanders and Falcons. This was a game that I, I picked the Commanders to win. They were not they were not favored. You know, it was in Atlanta. This Falcons team, Bijan Robinson, pretty fun team to watch so far this year. But I had the Commanders, and what the Commanders do, well, I think is, they're not consistent. But you know when they have a bad performance, like against the Bills, the next week they're going to come out swinging. And it seems that's just what they've done this season. They have a bad game, they come out the next week, and just seem to be firing mm -hmm. on all cylinders. Sam Howell, you know, three three touchdown passes. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's just kind of been the theme of their, their season. They, they like to bounce back. Yeah. And this was a big, big win for them because you look at the Eagles and the, and the Cowboys – they really like to run away with the division early, mm -hmm. it seems like, the past couple of years. Yeah, so. I think you bring up a good point about the Commanders. I think the reason why they are a squad that bounces back after tough defeats is 
I'm going to say it. I think Ron Rivera is one of those coaches that can motivate his team to play hard. Like, he, his in-game and, you know, decisions and, you know, are questionable, I'll admit. But Ron Rivera is one of the best motivators in the league. And, you know, when you have a coach like that, his team is going to have a nice performance coming off a tough loss and play well. And you mentioned Sam Howell. We all know how I like Sam Howell. And I think Sam Howell has proven, again, when you want look at a young quarterback, how do they respond after a tough loss? How do they respond at, after some adversity? Comes back next week, those three touchdowns. Yeah. Check. So if you're going to Kim Manders, that's what you want to see from a guy like that. And their D-line. Their D-line really was a different difference maker in this game, holding Bijan and Tyler Algier to under four carry each. So that was a big, big reason why they won twos. We know that Falcons offense is so reliant on the run game. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, moving to the Seahawks and the Bengals. <coughs> you know this this game for uh, for Seattle was a big chance, I think, to kind of separate themselves a bit and uh, gain on the Niners, but they just they just couldn't get it done, and I blame most of it on play calling and the offensive line and some of it for sure on Gino, but it was really the offense that let the team down. And you look at this game, uh, you hold Gerald, you hold Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense to 17 points. Like you got to come away with, with a win. I'm sorry. It, it just, you can't, you can't hold them to 17 points the entire game and not win. They have arguably the best receiving core in the league. Uh, with Tyler Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. And I think with that high-powered offense, the C- the Seahawks really schemed them up nicely. You saw Joe Burrow come out the first couple drives, get a couple touchdowns. It looked like the Bengals were kind of going to run away with it. And then you saw Devin Witherspoon start to, to lock up on Jamar Chase. And then the Bengals' offense was kind of nowhere to be seen for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the teams exchanged field goals in the second half, but... What it really came down to was just the execution for Seattle. You go into the red zone five times and come away with ten points, it's just simply not going to get it done. And it really seemed to catch up to them, their O-line, and not having their starters in. And you could see it because when you go against a better D-line, like uh, like the Bengals with Trey Hendricks, Trey Hendrickson, uh, they're going to expose that, and they did. So that, that was the main takeaway for me with this one was just the offense's inability to score. And, you know, I think that partly falls on Shane Waldron and the play calling in the red zone, which I think was pretty atrocious at some points in the game. But part of it is also on Geno on that offensive line. You saw the two picks. One of them looked to be kind of Metcalf not running the dig dig route right, and the other one was on Geno. But i just like to see our offense kind of clean some things up going into next week. Yeah, I think just after the game we were walking – to get something to eat, and I said, you know, I saw a stat on my phone, like, five red zone trips and only ten points. You're not going to win a lot of games in the National Football League. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with the red zone play calling. Obviously, you know, you're limited because of your health on the offensive line. I get that. But you got to give Geno Smith a chance. You know, this is a quarterback that has proven when you give him time, he can be very deadly. Especially the on the final play, exactly. I was really upset about that. Like you, you got to put the ball in the air, right? You got to like even an incompletion or a knockdown or an interception. It's something, but 
That's just the most anticlimactic play to end. You have to game. give yourself a shot, and I just think the play calling down there, especially when you have guys like Charbonnet and like Kenneth Walker and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, there's no excuse. You have to scheme something open, and I get it. The health of the O-line, the play of the O-line has been lackluster, and that's something that has to improve. But when you have all those weapons, you have to come up with more points. Especially, like, on a Cincinnati secondary that I'm sorry, like, I'm not going to say what's in my mind right now about them, but they're bad. Like, you made Cameron Britt look good. I'm sorry. I think he might be good. No, but we made him look better than he is. And, and, has games. and yeah. we really should have exposed the secondary. They they were out their best corner, Awuzie. Right. Like, there's no excuse for how we weren't able to expose them. So, anyways, moving on to uh, the Vikings and Bears. Didn't uh, watch. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch much of this game either. <laughs> um, the Vikings were able to squeeze out their first win without Jefferson. And you know they're sitting that two and four, kind of outside, outside looking in. Uh, but I guess they needed to do what they needed to do. They they got the win, and you just look at this Bears team, and it's just like deja vu all over again. It seems it's just the same kind of thing week in week out. They just can't find a way to just play consistently. And I would be fed up if I was a Chicago fan, because this is just. At this point, it's like I saw a stat from the time that they beat the Niners last season in Week One. They they only won like four games. Their three, win against three, Washington, three games. Their, that win against Washington was their first win against an NFC team since they beat us Week One of last year. Like that's insane. That's brutal. So there's no excuses for that. They gotta pick up their pants and do something. Cause they're yeah. on life support right yeah, now. Yeah, I think they have the clean house. All right, I'm not a big Ryan Poles guy. I've been very adamant and vocal of how he confuses me as a decision maker. I don't even think it's necessarily his fault. I just think he's very young. And I'm not sure if he was ready to take on a project like the Chicago Bears. Not his fault. And I just think, you know, Aberflus was not the right hire. So when you botch a head coaching hire and you potentially botch a GM hire. And you potentially botch the quarterback. Quarterback, I mean, you might as well. In the cap space. You got to burn it down and just start from scratch. And you just got to go with a fresh start. You're going to have the picks to do it. Might as well expedite that process in Chicago and see if you can come out better than you came out with Justin Fields in 21. Maybe you get, you know, I'm so down on them as a franchise because I just think they're so cursed. Anybody that they bring in there is just not going to be successful. It's never happened in the history of football, so. Nah, like the best guy you're looking at, you're talking about is Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Yeah. You know. And that was the Jay real, Cutler was good until he wasn't. That was the real last. Uh, like the ASU football program right now. The last. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, as of recording. Yeah, ASU just just threw Trent Morgan just threw a pick six. Uh, oh, wow, that's that's bad. Fourth and three. On, let's on, go. Let's go for it. On the opposition's uh, yeah. fifteen yard line. Yeah, maybe we've been a little closer. Look, um, quick ASU football diversion. Uh, The fourth downs are great when you get them, but oh my God. And I get it. Dario Longhetto missed two kicks tonight. One of them was blocked, and one of them was missed from 31, but oh my goodness. I respect Kenny because he has so much fun. He makes it so much fun even for a bad team, but like, come on. 
This is anyway. this is football, guys. Like, you gotta take the points. This I'm low key. I was low key not really, really rooting for ASU to win anyway because I want Washington to make the playoff and lose to you know lost to ASU would eliminate those chances uh, pretty much. I but think it would just be really funny. It would, it the, would be funny. the line was set at like minus twenty eight. It would be hilarious, but so. you know. Anyway, back to NFL football. Nineties and Browns. Uh, yeah, what do you got for yeah, this let's, one, Let's Jack? talk about this one. I have not talked that much on this podcast outside of the intro because I'm not feeling well, but let me get this on my chest, right? First off, there's going to be a lot of people that are already, well, not even thinking of me. There's a lot of people now that are like, oh, this Brock Purdy narrative that we've had of Brock Purdy can only win with his best players is true. Uh, no, it is not. Yeah, he was missing. I'll tell you this much. CMC being out mattered a lot. That's what mattered. But... The rest of it, Brock Purdy missed throws that Brock Purdy's made on a regular basis. Brock Purdy's offensive line, which is the bigger thing to me. One thing that the Niners kind of had going for some reason within the media was that they have this really good offensive line, which they don't. Trent Williams is spectacular on the left side. Aaron Banks is a good left guard. From center to right tackle, it is at best average. And we've seen that like every time the Niners have like a loss in a big game, it's mainly because of the O-line. Think of like the NFC Championship against the Rams. Those final drives, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Donald was in his face every single play. Even the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, Frank Clark was in the backfield. Chris Jones was in the backfield every play. Like, and then Philly, obviously, I mean, Hassan Reddick just, you know, snapped Brock Purdy's UCL last year. So, like, that's the one thing that I think the Niners have gotten too much credit for is the O-line play. Brock Purdy gets the ball really quickly, and that's what he has to do. Um, the O-line is not this insane unit. They're, they're a fine unit. Obviously, the left side is great. But at the end of the day, it's not a great unit. And that's, I think, the main reason they lost is that Miles Garrett and everyone else on the Browns D-line was in the backfield a lot. Yeah, I think you also have to put it into perspective the caliber of defense it was. This is one of the best starts from a unit we've seen in a while. Yeah, no, this defense, this Browns defense is ridiculous. I'm, yeah, Schwartz, it looked ridiculous. Jim Schwartz, and I, I, I shouted this out early in one of the earlier pods, that the talent they had on this defense with a guy like Jim Schwartz who has proven – when he's not a head coach and he is a defensive coordinator, he can scheme up. And he's so, had owner John Kyle Shanahan now for yeah, a while. Yeah, uh, Jack, spit out the stats as you told me. I believe me. it was he, Jim Schwartz just as a defensive coach against Kyle Shanahan since I believe like maybe 2015, 2016, is uh, held Kyle Shanahan to a record of 1-8. and eight. Which means, traded, Some of that was during you know, those really bad matters. Right, years. but still. But he has his a, number. This is a veteran coach that has his number and knows how to stop this offense. And... I don't think this is an indictment on Brock Purdy because everything that could go wrong went wrong. Weather, not ideal. This is a 49ers team that, Jack, I think you know does not play well. When it, it's, a, it's a thing I think with generally with California teams is that you're not going to play well in the weather when you're not used to playing in the weather. Right. The fact that they managed to win in the snow in right. the divisional against Green yeah, Bay, that yeah, was only the third time yeah. a, a team from the West Coast had gone to Green Bay in one of those type of conditions ever, postseason yeah. or not. Uh, yeah, so. And that's kind of the thing. Like, they played about as badly as I think the Niners can possibly play, and they still lost because their kicker missed a 41-yarder yeah. at the end of the day. Uh-huh. And then, and at the same time, you look back, there was a play, I think it was in the late first quarter, early second quarter, Brock Purdy throws an absolute perfect ball to Brandon Ayuk, and he drops it. Like, everything possible went wrong, and they still managed to put up 17 on the best defense in the league, and still managed to have a you know a good shot to win the game. And, like, it just, it just it didn't go the way it needed to. But I, I think I think you gotta give credit though to the Browns where it's due. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta look at like not only, yeah, just like they're led by Philip Walker who just did absolutely nothing in this game, and they yes, still did not have his best game. They still somehow managed to 
put up 19 with two interceptions. Yeah, uh, I think they obviously relayed pretty much on their defense uh, to even give them a sniff of a chance. But you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, they held the the Niners in check, and this was you know the first time this season where we saw the Niners you know not just completely steamroll someone and kind of get <coughs> their their weakness. A little bit exposing, you know, there's factors, right? We talked about weather, injuries, but at the same time, yeah, they they did win the game, and at the end of the day, winning is winning. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Uh, it looked like the 49ers were in control the last drive, driving down. We were all like, well, I was like, yeah, okay, they're at the 30. Uh, the game's over. They're just going to kick, like, the extra point, field goal. That's where it's at. Mm -hmm. And then he misses it. That's the beautiful thing about the NFL. You have the ebbs and the flows. You get the highs and the lows. You know, I think the 49ers also suffered from a little bit of they had such a great high the week before Sunday Night Football. Yes, the Cowboys dismantled them. You go into next week and you kind of look ahead. P.J. Walker, no, no Deshaun Watson. Maybe this is a game, uh, got to go to Cleveland. Not the best place to just travel to in general. Shout out Joe Kim Noah. Um, so I think maybe the 49ers maybe kind of had a game where a bunch of uncharacteristic things happen, which happens in the NFL. Happens to the good teams. Things don't go your way. Injuries happen, and it kind of becomes something where it's like, all right, it's just one of those days where nothing goes right. And that's kind of an indictment on the last play where Moody um, misses the field goal. And so that's a loss that I think the Niners will look back at and be like, okay, I'm glad we had this loss. We got it out the way. Now the you know undefeated narrative will kind of be at bay. That won't be a discussion. That won't be a distraction. And I think they'll look about this game and be like, all right, you know, we needed this loss. Yeah, and uh, I don't. Th I think I want to take some credit for that loss too, honestly, because I gave Brock Purdy some bad mojo by consistently tweeting out the Jimmy Garoppolo video. Of him walking on the field at Super Bowl, what, 54? And, you know, the clip of, you know, him coming out right into the team in the morning. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo, game winning drive. I kept tweeting that every time Brock Purdy was coming out. I'm going to say I put some bad mojo on him and take some of the blame there. Um, my bad. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to end it off by saying, like, don't get me wrong. It's not like the Browns <laughs> outplayed the 49ers by any stretch. There's a lot of flukiness on both sides, but at the end of the day, like both teams, yeah, no. both teams were kind of giving the other team the chance to win the game. The rest Whether, also weren't great in this game. No, they weren't, and especially the last drives, there were some bad calls, some bailouts. But there was a bad call against the Niners, but there were also some calls in the earlier in the game that were missed on the Browns. It was just generally very badly officiated. Right, but yeah, again, you have the chance to kick the game-winning field goal. You have those overthrows. You have the drops. Like you have chances. Mm -hmm. And one of those plays goes your way, and you win the game. Yeah, absolutely. So that's at the end of the day, that's just how it goes. Um, moving on to the Patriots and Raiders. Huh. Wow, this man, Mac Jones, <coughs> like, oh, I don't even know. You you guys go for it on this one. So basically, we're in the situation where Mac Jones had this really good rookie year. And everyone was like, oh my God, Mac Jones is the best quarterback in this class somehow. And then, like, you know, everything kind of died down where it's like, all right, now the Patriots' defense isn't this insane defense anymore. And Mac Jones, if we're looking at it, really looked exactly like, like what 2019 Tom Brady looked like, which wasn't good. And then now we're at this point where, you know what, Mac Jones did, like, 
I'm, I'll say this. He was good that one year. Like, he was he was solid. He wasn't good. He was solid. But it also, like, I mean, they, they, they won a game where he threw about three times. It clearly wasn't his doing. Um, and the comparison for me for Mac Jones coming out of the draft was Jimmy Garoppolo. And I was sat there saying every single day that when the Niners had the third pick, if the Niners take Mac Jones, they just have younger Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think I am, like, absolutely on to that. Because if Mac Jones had the team around him, he could win. He could do enough to get you by. They won, what, 11-5 that year. And then they lost in the first round by 40 to Buffalo. When Mac Jones doesn't have the pieces around him and doesn't have the defense playing really well and doesn't have great weapons, the guy is not very useful. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the same way as we're seeing now with Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners was, like, it did enough to win. An NFC Championship game with seven passes thrown. But they, like, got to Super Bowl once. They got to a couple of other NFC Championships. Like, he did enough. And then now that he's on a team that doesn't have the, you know, type of weapons and also defense that the Niners had, Jimmy Garoppolo's not very good. And everyone saw it coming. And it's the same thing with Mac Jones. Everyone saw it coming. And I think what you guys, like, I mean, I think we can say collectively, that's what really separates you as a player. When you see rookies like C.J. Stroud and Richardson have the success that they had early, let's be honest, they're, they're not playing with great defenses or weapons around them either, but they're still getting the job done. So that's not an excuse uh, here if you're Mac Jones. Yeah. You, you have that's op- the thing with Mac. I still believe that Mac is an NFL quarterback and an NFL starting quarterback, yeah. but not on a bad team. Yeah, no. And I think he's miserable there, bro. I don't think he's happy there. I don't think he's happy... Like, New England is a place you have to be wired to be able to be successful there. It's, you kind of, it's very militant in that way, and I, I think that's why a lot of young players aren't really enjoying playing for them right now. It's just Bill Belichick's charm and his, his you know, aura has definitely died down a bit, and I think he was now more than ever we can kind of see Tom Brady really pushed his legacy up, in my opinion, and we're going to have to start having conversations about Bill Belichick possibly not being there. You, you know where I stand on that, honestly. But, I mean, I've said this a lot, that I think he's just a bad GM. That's a good coach, but a bad GM. But the issue with him, you're going to be like Belichick is and have this culture of, like, not, it's not very fun. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not a very fun place to play football. you got to win yeah. if you want to be able to do that. Yeah. And if they're not doing that, no one's going to enjoy themselves. Yeah, no. You're not going to win football games. You're not going to be, like, be getting better. And that's kind of the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the Lions and Buccaneers. This Lions team is looking really, really solid. I'm really just, you know, I got to give myself props with the Lions and Colts. Uh, I had them predicted to do, you know, finish the top of each division respectfully. And so far, it's kind of panned out that way. Uh, the Lions joined. The Eagles, 49ers, Dolphins, um, as a five and one team, and they just playing solid on all sides of the ball. Uh, Jared Goff has really settled in, and you got the running game with David Montgomery. You know, although it wasn't prevalent in this game, you get it's hard to run the football against the Bucks. Yeah, and you get Gibbs, who's battling some injuries, was going to be back. Uh, this team is looking really scary. Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, he does what he does. Uh, The Lions team, I think, is a really well-coached team. It's a young team, and it's a team that had something to prove coming into this season. I think there was a lot of eyes on them and some question marks as to how they were kind of going to gel, especially 
you know, coming off of that uh, upset last year in Green Bay. And so far, they've they've done the job. You know, the only team thus far is Seattle that's been able to knock them off. And that was that was like by the slimmest of margins. Yeah, this uh, is a really good Detroit team. They're they're doing well. They got the culture there. The culture was set in place those first two years, and now they got the talent. Um, got to give Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell a lot of credit. They know the type of players they want to bring in there. You know, from a culture standpoint, and you know. Um, David Montgomery's hurt. I think that, you know, you have to have Jameer Gibbs step up now. Uh, Craig Reynolds is going to have to step up now um, to replace that production. Mm-hmm. That's a player that produced a lot in short yardage situations and and from a clock management standpoint. So we'll see. But Jared Goff is playing the best football of his life, and uh, this defense is playing really well. This is a fun team to watch, too. Really yeah, I was wrong on the Detroit Lions, is what I can say. I was wrong. Very wrong about my entire NFC North prediction, honestly. Uh, but now that I say that, I'm like all in on the Lions as of right now. And I'm also at a point where I'm thinking Jared Goff is QB1 in the NFC. And I, don't think I don't think it's really a hot take right now, honestly. No, it's, no, not. it's, it's not. I'm not fully there yet. I still need to see some more. But I'm, I'm kind of leaning more... Uh, that way for sure, but no, this this Lions team looks, you know, it looks good, and you can see it when they're when they're playing. It's almost like Dan Campbell is in their ear, uh, just constantly. They it looks like they're just giving that extra level of effort on every snap, and you can tell. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Bucks go, they're kind of, you know, at, at a little bit of a, a slide right now. Baker Mayfield. What can you say? Well, about, yeah, what, I don't what can know. you say about that? I think this field? is a team. That's this is what you expect, yeah. right? I think this is a team that's going to beat the bad teams, and this is a team that's not going to beat the good teams. Yeah. Well, that's the main thing too with me for Detroit. That like I think the main reason of why I was wrong on them, I didn't think their offense would be bad, but the defense last year was very, very bad. For whatever reason, that team has took it, taken a step defensively without really making too many additions. But, I mean, Chelsea Gardner Johnson, that's really it. But he hasn't been healthy. Yeah. So, so. That, like, I don't know exactly what flipped. I haven't sat there and watched Detroit Lions defensive film. But <laughs> something's clicked defensively to the point where that's what's making them a lot better than they were Shout last out year. Aaron Glenn and, and those boys. <coughs> like really good football right now. Yeah, I, I still think that this Bucks defense is pretty elite. And I, I, think it's, I think it's still, like, you know, playoff contender. Yeah, that's why they're not a bad football team. Yeah, and that's kind of what's bringing up their game, but that's it's what you can expect, I guess, from Baker Mayfield. Uh, he'll he'll have those games against the Vikings where he throws for over three hundred yards and looks like a god, and then he'll come kind of back, back down there. to yeah. Baker Mayfield level as everyone knows him, and that's that's just been the case uh, so far. Uh, moving on to the Cardinals and Rams. This was a NFC uh, NFC West. You know, division divisional game. The one that uh, no one cares about. Yeah. And, you know, anytime you got an Arizona... No, I'm playing. <laughs> anytime you got a team that's not your team in the same division playing, you know, you want to watch it, but at the same time you don't. Uh, you had the return of Cooper Cup, and he had basically 100 yards before halftime. Like, he's... Still Cooper Cup. If there's any questions about how he was going to be after the injury, whatever, I think that they were answered really fast. Uh, he's still Cooper Cup. And because of that, Puka Nakua obviously didn't have the games that he's been having. But this Rams team, I think, is surprising people because they're coming out better than what a lot of people, I think, give them credit for. And 
yeah, you know, you you don't you only have Aaron Donald that's a really big name on the on the defense, but this offense just continues to perform game in game out and put up points. Yeah, Matthew Stafford is still good at football. I only uh, think there's a lot to be said there, and I also think they have a good receiving core. Yeah, Tutu Atwell, Cooper Cup, Puka, like that's pretty good, bro. And, and you hate to go against that. Yeah, and you know Kyron Williams was emerging a little bit. Now he's hurt and on the IR. Um, so this is an offense that is gonna beat the bad defenses in the league. Matthew Stafford is still a player that if you have weaknesses on your defense, he can exploit them. Mm-hmm. But that being said, Matthew Stafford against a good defense is going to give you one. That's the Matthew Stafford we know and love. So we'll see how this team progresses. I don't know what the outlook on their schedule looks like. I don't know if it's really difficult. Well, they, they've already played Philly, which is one of the hard games. Right. I haven't so, played Dallas yet. So that's on so the Dallas game. and then their, their other one against San Francisco is probably about as hard as it'll get. Oh, they'll, have the, they'll have the Ravens as well still. Yeah. So, um, But they've already gotten through Cincinnati. They've already gotten right. through Philly. So, and the Niners once. So the outlook Seattle on their ones. team, you know, they got a shot to, like, do some be damage. Sneaky here. Yeah. It's a, it's a little 7 seed team. Yeah. Could potentially. Uh, switching to the Eagles and Jets, this was the other upset this week that I think shocked the world. The Jets found a way to knock off the Eagles, similar to the Browns found a way to knock off the Niners. They were really similar games when you watched them both. They were. I mean, these were probably, the, you know, the Eagles lost to probably the second best defense in football. The Niners lost to the best defense in football. They both put up like 14 to 17 points. And both quarterbacks just didn't look like themselves against way better defenses. The thing with the Jets is that they were down DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner and still looked that good defensively. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. And he had Quinn and Williams with an interception? Like, I didn't, I didn't, what? I don't, I don't, was it Quinn? Or was it yeah. Quincy? I, I want to say it was Quincy. Quincy? Let's see. Let's, we got to look at that. Was it? No, it was Quinn and Williams. It was Quinn and Wow. Yeah. Okay, look at that. Quinn yeah. and Williams had a pick. That's yeah. Awesome. Like I, I'm gonna say that one probably wasn't on Jalen Hurts, but you know. <laughs> that's that's crazy though uh, for a big man. And yet Tony Adams of all people end the game with a pick. Uh, that yeah, you know you look at this this Jets team and after A Rod goes down week one, it's like okay here we go again. We're in for a long season. Blah 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 blah. But you're you know six games in and you're three and three. Yeah, I don't think you can be bad about that. No. And I, Jesse, we watched this game together that Sunday night against the Chiefs. And we looked at each other and said, this might be a little bit of a turning point for Zach Wilson. And through a couple games, they've won football games with Zach Wilson being the starting quarterback. That's all you can ask for. And that's all we said, Jesse. We was like, if Zach Wilson on this stage can just be serviceable, not Mm -hmm. screw up, not make mistakes, not put his team in football situations where – they lose the game because he threw a pick or he missed a receiver or a missed check at the line. You know, those yeah. things that he was doing, and that's why they were losing, and he hasn't done that. No. So now you look at it, you're like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is an alien right now, and it looks like he's recovering from his eight Achilles is better than anybody has ever recovered from Achilles injury because, of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's called drugs. But really, <laughs> but realistically, if Zach Wilson can keep playing this football, this is a team that can be like the Rams and sneak into the postseason without Aaron Rodgers coming back. I agree, and you wonder what this uh, Jets training staff is injecting him with. Whatever it is, I, I gotta get some of it. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guy's out of a boot already, uh, whatever. He's on the field just, already, yeah, going like, through the motions. just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> moving on, we had the the, <laughs> the Giants and Bills. Before you get on to this, okay, let me just go over this. Shout out Shay Blake. 
This was <laughs> this was like one of the best games I've seen the the, the Giants play in a, in a while. You know, including the Daniel Jones era in a in a while. Just hey. like all sides of the ball. Okay, let's take it into account. This is one of the best games I've seen the Giants play. They was didn't. It? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go out and say that, and the reason being is from a defensive standpoint, they, they didn't do anything flashy, okay? They didn't do anything flashy, but what they did do is they didn't turn the ball over, right? Um, the offense was, you know, it wasn't amazing, but it was efficient. Yeah, and I, I they didn't they didn't get a lot more, of points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was efficient in the fact that. They were constantly moving the chains throughout the night. You know, they were driving the yeah. field. They were they were gaining yards. Yeah, and I think that was the the important thing that I saw early. I was like, okay, Tyrod, just it, it looks like a functional off, like it's functional, like it's not amazing, it's not this anything, but it looked like Tyrod could do a little bit more with this makeshift off makeshift offensive line. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then, <laughs> then DJ. Mate, what? So, oh. I mean, that's what it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm saying the real here, but look, I, I was frustrated at the ending of this game because it felt like a game we should have snuck out and won. But the things that show me a team is bad at football appeared in this game. And you guys know what I'm going to talk about. It's that goal line situation with Tyrod Taylor down there, and he checks out of the play, and Dayball is pissed. And, you know, I that get... That happened with a guy that's been in the league for, like, 13 years. And I, and there was a couple of times during the game where I was like, all right, Tyrod, this is year 39. Like, it just was like, Tyrod, like, bro, you know, you come here for this. Like, you literally sign you for situations like these. And... When you're a team like the Giants, when you're undermanned and you're one of the worst teams in football, and you have a chance to win, you can't do stuff like that. There's not a lot of margin for error. And I told you guys once that happened, I said we're going to lose. I just have watched so much Giants football in my life. I can identify a certain point in the game where I'm like, that's why we're going to lose. And that's exactly why we lost. I think Dayball was his timeouts, usage of his timeouts were a little weird. I think Dayball, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think he's an emotional coach, and I think you can't be an emotional coach in the NFL. I think when you're an emotional, you make decisions off impulse sometimes, and it can be mistakes. And I think it's proven with Dayball is emotional, and he's irate, and he's upset. There's a sense of a miscommunication, specifically with offense. And I think that was a situation down there where, yes, you expect Tyrod to know what he's doing, but as a head coach, you have to remind him, hey, Tyrod, this is a situation... We probably shouldn't pass here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so from that standpoint, I was like, eh, defense, Bobby Okereke. Let's talk. I mean, Bobby O was flying, yeah, man. He, he was making he was plays. A playmaker. And honestly, I was complaining the whole week about this game being on Sunday night. It wasn't even a bad game to watch. Like, honestly, no. when you watched it for what it was, it was actually pretty entertaining. In a way. Out of all the games, I think that at the end of the day, they somehow made the right choice to have this one on there, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, like I know you guys both looked at me when I said that this was one of the best Giants games I've seen in a while. Do you mean it, in terms of entertainment purposes or in terms of if you're a Giants fan purposes? No, like I'm I'm in terms of like a Giants fan. I know I know they didn't score a lot of points. I get that, 
But you got to look at the bigger picture. They left like how many points on the board? A at lot. least at least fourteen that yeah. I can think of right now. Yeah. Possibly more. You know, you convert on maybe one or two more of those third downs and get that to touchdown, you could be looking at, like, a 40-point game yeah. instead of a nine-point game. Yeah, and I think that was the thing with them is they just weren't able to capitalize on their opportunities. I've been saying it for, for months now. Uh, you got to give Saquon a healthy amount of carries, and you got to stick with the run game. And, you know, look what happens. He ends up with over 90 yards when he gets over 20 carries, and I think that's the key for success for you guys. The thing that I didn't like in this game is that you get the P.I. call, you get yourself down to the one, and I think the play call should have been literally anything else than what they ran. Because I'm cool with throwing a fade as your 6'6 tight end. I'm cool with that. But I don't like doing that where it's super crowded and you're throwing it just directly over the top. Yeah. I'm cool with putting Waller out wide and throw the fade out wide. Cool. Put Waller in the in middle and just run right or run left or anything. Cool, but I don't completely yeah. understand yeah. the fade where Mike, you have no space. Mike Kafka this year has... Not been the Mike Kafka of last <coughs> year, and I think a lot of it had to do with a, with a favorable schedule, and over guys overperforming, which happens. You know, guys overperform, offenses overperform when they're hot and they're playing less than I, you know, favorable opponents on the defensive side of the ball. But the Giants also went from having probably one of the easiest schedules outside of having to, to play Dallas and Philly last year to the hardest because you play these the AFC East, and that's yeah. three to four really good teams, well, three really good teams, and the Patriots. And then and the NFC West has two very good teams, one team that's not necessarily bad, and then one team that the other way. Yeah. So, you know, I'm confident, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, looking <laughs> for the future. I think the Giants win tomorrow morning against Washington. I do. I'm just confident like that. It's just a franchise that we play well against no matter how bad we are, and we beat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm t- confident Tyrod will go in there. We'll have a good game offensively. We'll have a, a pulse. As long as we have a pulse and say, is it confirmed that Tyron's the only one playing? Yeah, Daniel Jones is not. Okay. Playing, so his neck, right? Yeah. Yeah. His neck. Yeah. His, his back. Uh, moving on to the Monday night game, Cowboys and Chargers. I I didn't watch very much of this game, but all I gotta say is, the Chargers are the best team of winning a game and finding a way to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't get to watch this one, but we had other things going on, but. I came back for the final, like, three minutes of it just in time to see the Chargers somehow throw it away. I was like, all right, well, Chargers, no one's surprised. Yeah, I mean, what, what can you say at this point, right? It's just the common theme. They, it's the Chargers. They just always find a way to lose. Um, That's really all the analysis we can even offer. Yeah. The, Char- yeah. the Chargers can play a great game, and they will find a way to lose when they're playing someone that's at least close to how good they are. And it's, it's honestly one of the funniest things, I think, in the NFL that there's been in the last couple of years. So the Chargers just will, whatever happens, they will find a way to lose. Okay. And also find a way to screw me over in fantasy, goddammit. <laughs> uh, moving on to week seven picks. Let's go to let's the, go wrap let's do to the fantasy board. I know the Thursday night game already happened, but I'm still, we're all still going to go with who we went with. Uh, so, yeah, I'll start it off. I did go Jacksonville. They did win 31-24. I also had Jacksonville. Let's go. Drew? Um, I want to say I had the Colts. Well, the Colts did not play on Thursday. Oh, wait, well, what game are we talking about? Jaguar Saints. <laughs> oh, Jaguar Saints would have. <laughs> um, this, this counts for week seven picks, right? Yes, this yeah. is week seven. Oh, okay, I was looking at week six. I think I took the uh, Saints. Yeah, I took the Saints. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Let's go here. Um, Bears, Raiders. I got Raiders. I have the Raiders. I got the Raiders, too. 
Browns. Brian Hoyer, let's go. Browns, Colts. I have the Browns. Browns. Yep, Browns. Bills, Patriots. I got the Bills. I got the Bills. Buffalo. Commanders, Giants. I got the Giants. Commanders. G man, baby, let's go. Big one. Uh, fourth down, fifteen. Let's watch this quick. Jacob Conover throws that and it doesn't work. Okay. ASU now down to their fourth string quarterback for the second time this year. By the way, how is that even possible? You, you uh, wouldn't know. Falcons, Buccaneers. I got the Falcons. Me too. Bucks. Uh, Lions, Ravens. I got the Lions. I got the Ravens. I just feel like Lamar plays well in these games. Lions. Uh, Rams, Steelers. I got the Rams. Steelers. I got the Steelers too. Wow. Seahawks, Cardinals. I got Seattle. The Seattle Birds, unfortunately. I got the Hawks. Packers, Broncos. I got the Broncos. Broncos. <laughs> I got the Packers. Why am I going with the Broncos? I got the Packers. Why am I going with the Broncos either? Because <laughs> the Packers just suck that much worse. Chargers, Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. 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 How about them? Chiefs. Uh, Eagles, Dolphins. I got the Eagles. Dolphins. Dolphins. 49ers, Vikings. I got the Niners. I also have the 49ers. I got the, I got the San Francisco 49ers. And apparently, man. I thought there's going to be 503 points scored on Monday night. <laughs> hey, honestly, with the way the Vikings defense uh, looked recently. Yeah, let me quickly switch that close, to 50 close. points, not 503. But, yeah, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, it was kind of, you know, a weird one again. Uh, I, I had a long day with work. Uh, you know, Jack's sick, and it was just kind of one of those episodes. Drew that we had a great do. day. Yeah, Drew, Drew's yeah. got nothing going on at all. Yeah, so it was just it was just one of those days that was just weird, but we got the episode done, and yeah. uh, we had fun, fun. doing it. Yep. I do so. want to mention how weirdly Drew was sitting in his chair this entire time, <laughs> like just <laughs> sitting like inverted in the chair. <laughs> so thank, <laughs> so thank, <laughs> thank, thank. Oh, that's my car. I had to cough. Thank. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll we'll catch you next week for uh, for week seven, and we really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, peace. Thank you.